Welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast here with your weekly catch up. And we're joined by a very special guest. No, introduce him last. He's clearly chewing and swallowing food. I'm Drew. I'm good. I'm (laughs) good now. (laughs) Hello, everybody. I'm Harry Sayer, and I'm so glad to be here. Welcome. I'm Ernest. Thank you. I am Hunter. I'm Drew, currently about two and a half months clean from being Skimble Shanks on the pod. We're, we're proud. <laughs> yeah, you know. I, I did not think you were going to break that. Shortly before we started this podcast, we did talk about your former addiction that you had, Drew, and how it seemed like something you were never going to break. The catnip is, is a it, tough it, it thing It was to really break. bringing down it, like the entire friend group. I it, thought it was going to insult us all. It took a long time. Uh, what I needed to realize is that I'm a little skimble shanks all the time, but I can't get lost. I have to always be Drew. You know, you don't want to be doing rails on the rail on the railway like skimble shanks mm. did. Now, isn't that something I should have thought of during my tenure? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you're going to get him back. Oh, man, the, the jokes I can and make. <laughs> do you hear the sound of a relapse? Because I do. <laughs> I mean, off pot, I'm skimble shanks all fucking day, baby. Macavity, macavity. The cavity on the streets, Skimble Shanks in the shit. So wait, is is Cats an NBC production? A universal joint. Is, yes, is it a universal it is. joint? So will we be able to watch it on the new streaming service, Peacock? The Peacock? Or as I call it, Peacock! <laughs> the Peacock! So I'm the only one with a purchase blu-ray copy of cats then huh oh Just no me. way i did not know this <laughs> i have several stolen copies i'm, I'm waiting for the it's criterion a, release to be honest <laughs> it's such a good party gift like it's fun to watch it with people but you don't make friends after it they just you watch and then you're done being friends with that person yeah well it, it's one of those movies where it's like ha 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 funny and then like an hour into it you're like i hate myself <laughs> It's a good breakup <laughs> gift is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I like when someone says the word cats, you have to talk about cats for at least 10 minutes. There's no way to escape its gravitational oh, pull. It's, it's really hard not to. Anyway, I'm Drew. I'm not Skimble Shakes. And, uh, and a cat is not a dog. I, I mean, I didn't know that. I needed someone to tell me that shit. How would you guys feel if every time that I talked to you in person, I looked at you the same way Judy Dench stares straight into your soul at the end of I'm, Cats? You're giving me flashback nightmares right now, and I, I can't have that right now. I only want to think about the peacock that has launched NBC Universal Comcast Xfinity uh, streaming service, the latest to join the streaming wars. Hopefully we will get to see the exclusive butthole cut of cats on Peacock premium at some point. That That is what has been promised. That's what's kind of being rumored mm-hmm. to be exclusive right now. Um, as I scroll through the main page, I'm seeing the born identity. I'm seeing phantom thread. Mm-hmm. Um, Shrek. Oh, but looks like Shrek. <laughs> 
is a Peacock Premium exclusive. And how much would that run me? Too much. Your soul. Too much. Really? <laughs> I, too I much, think there's not two enough. tiers. I think there's a $5 a month tier and then a $10 a month tier. What's I, the difference? Well, I think that they are treating it. So little bit of background. NBC was originally one of the principal investors in Hulu. Yeah. And so they had the whole idea of you pay this lower tier, tier amount and you get to watch our whatever we're giving out, but with ads. And then you pay the higher tier and you get to skip the ads. So it's kind of the same. They are no model. longer with. Well, I mean, there's still some H, some uh, NBC stuff that is on Hulu as of right now, but they are trying to kind of take that methodology that they brought into Hulu and bring that into the Peacock tier. I think just just browsing through the 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 service, I think that right off the bat, it's not as impressive as HBO Max was last month. It's hard to be. I mean, yeah, that was a really huge yeah. launch. This is this. I mean, you know, you got a couple you got short term 12. You got some like universal monsters like there's, Dracula. And there's some good Hitchcock on here. It's it's yeah. it's more about what they're going to get, though. Yes. For the uninitiated, I thought Peacock was supposed to be free. Is that no longer the case? It is. So it is a lot of the stuff is free that's on there. For example, you could watch Jurassic Park uh, and the Lost Worlds right now. Yeah. For free. Um, if that if you so choose. All right, they have I'm a whole, in. They okay. have a whole Nicolas Cage <laughs> category. I did see that. That you can just watch like 90% of those are on the free tier. Here's a, here's a funny thing though, is uh, when, when you log on and you're browsing, they make it very obvious that, uh, that it's free, that you're on the free version. It says Peacock originals and more start for free. So you get to watch the first couple episodes for free. Free laughs is another section with parks and rec, 30 rock, (laughs) SNL, AP bio, et cetera. All the, That's so generous. All the drama at no cost includes <laughs> This, this sucks. Is Us, Parenthood, <laughs> Friday Night Lights, and Suits. Your reality check oh. is covered below deck so- and uh, a bunch of other reality Thanks TV. for telling us like these uh, headings that they come up with. I know. With. You, you fucking shill for Peacock. Uh, what's funny is that like on one hand, we don't need any more streaming services and on the other, there's nothing happening in the world. So why not have another? It's not like we're doing anything else. Well, there's there's two things that I that I kind of wanted to point out that are kind of the, the main idea for even bringing this up on the podcast in the first place. There's a lot of like old shows on here that I think will gravitate like a certain type of audience. Things like Saved by the Bell, Murder, She Wrote, Cheers on Columbo versus still on Netflix. Let me give that a quick search here. It looks like Cheers is on here. All 11 seasons. Yes, it looks like it. Um, Frasier as well. Uh, King of Queens going to have to subscribe to premium for that one. I, uh, I already subscribe right, just out. so I could watch Game of Thrones <laughs> every day. And the other thing is they have this feature that I've been wanting from Netflix and Hulu for so long called channels mm-hmm. where you don't have to choose. It, it takes the burden of choice away from you and they just have things on yeah. that you can just like regular oh. old cable. Yeah. Uh, Stream channels. Be. 
Yes. I would love for Netflix to do so that. So they have like a Peacock comedy channel? They have an SNL one that oh. just shows a bunch of uh, SNL highlights. All right. yeah. Earlier, before we yeah. started recording, uh, I had The Office oh, channel Oh, so that was a channel. Yeah. So, so The Office channel that Ernie had on, they're just showing clips from The Office. They're not showing episodes. Right. Not full episodes, which you can get on premium, on Peacock premium. Um, but in this free version, you can just click the office channel and they'll just show little scenes, little excerpts and, and, and just get the highlights of some, some office goodies. And, you know, if you just keep scrolling, they have an unsolved mysteries, one, a hell's kitchen one. They also, uh, I mean, they no even deal. have, they even have like news things and stuff like that. And apparently they talked about it a while ago. They haven't confirmed it recently, but <laughs> It helps also for cord cutters and stuff like that. They're going to have for people trying to watch Sunday night football. You're going to be able to watch. That I was watching Peacock. some Premier League earlier yeah, today. Premier League is on there. So yeah. that also includes all the NBC sports networks and stuff. And that's absolutely free. It's not even you don't even have to pay the premium for that stuff. I, I think watch that, that there's Arsenal match earlier. Or, uh, uh, Arsenal versus yeah. Liverpool, I believe. <laughs> yes. Um, I think that this is very promising and I like the fact that they're offering um, a free version. Um, so, you know, not like we need any more streaming services, but it's at least offering something a little bit different, you know, with these channels um, that I hope that, other streaming services will pick up because sometimes like for example i have stars and showtime through hulu and on hulu because of i have those i can go to a live tab i don't even have hulu with live tv just regular hulu but the stars and showtime add-ons and i can look at what's live on stars and showtime and i can just kind of jump into minority report or jump into the aviator and it gives me that like cable feeling how it's, often it's do you nice. jump into the aviator <laughs> uh, approximately the seven to eight times to watch that three-hour movie all the way through who do you think you're talking to hunter this is Ernest, the aviator <laughs> of course yeah the best scorsese movie the way of the future um, the way of the future i, haven't seen I mean it. there is we mentioned uh before like there is some good older movies on it like do the right thing is one of the movies that's on here so i mean between this and hbo max have a good plethora of older classically great cinema that if you don't want to pay just for criterion channel which again i'd say it's worth it but that's just me um but it really is about what's coming. The Netflix office deal is going to end next year, next year, as with community, yeah. as with all of these other Netflix properties and what Netflix is going to be without friends or the office, which their metrics lie about the top 10 friends in the office are like the top two shows on Netflix yeah, every, every week. <clears throat> so what, that is going to be is it's more so affecting towards what places like Netflix will be more so than what Peacock is. Mm -hmm. Also, people need to watch every episode of Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. You know, the American yeah. people, they need to binge Tonight Show. They need to binge late night. Mm -hmm. If every American watched 
uh, the Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon, COVID would be cured, and also the, the political parties would come together and, I would, and usher and in a I new would era. Probably jump off a bridge as well. <laughs> One death for millions. <laughs> I've heard that late night it's shows have it. only gotten better since they're doing stuff from home and they can't actually form any kind of a real yeah. connection with the Trevor person. Noah has resorted to just wearing a hoodie. He has like completely given up. I'm sorry. Drew looked concussed when we were talking about Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> remember remember when he like broke his finger and he had this like giant finger he's had, cast he's had multiple uh freak non-alcoholism related accidents uh in his house I've, i think i've heard jimmy fallon speak four times in my life and i'm trying to keep it from getting to a fifth i just don't can fucking we, care can we please get a peacock original that's just jimmy fallon like hopped up on cocaine doing insane things around his house i think that's called like, late night with jimmy fallon um, I don't. I think the coke is out with him. I'm 99% sure the situation is he is an alcoholic and always has been. And yeah. also, yeah. Uh, NBC put him on like Pro Vigil or one of those like rich people mega Adderall drugs, um, oh. which they also put uh, Carson Daly on. And you can tell because he's not himself anymore. Uh, I. I mean, I was <laughs> like when Late Night with Jimmy Fallon first started in about 09. I was a big fan of that show, very famously, and. Uh, I hate what's going on. I hate what he's done since tonight's show. I hate what he did toward the end of late night with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, I never particularly liked what he was doing, but he had uh, innovative writers at one point and he's back in the studio now, but with no audience, I'm pretty sure. No way. Really? He has returned to 30 rock though. Cause Kimball stopped doing the show over the summer. So I, I figured he would also stop doing it. I didn't know he was back. No, he's back. And then Seth is still at home. I'm pretty sure in his, in his crawl space in the attic. Yeah, that's yeah. That seems <laughs> oh, fun. Drew, this is one that Peacock has. That's just for you. Um, all eight seasons of monk are on Peacock for free right now. Also, there's a psych two Lassie come yeah. home. That's a movie. Peacock original. Yeah. They uh they made one psych movie. It sounds so fake. It sounds like a real movie. <laughs> yeah. So that's Peacock. Maybe watch it. It's free. Who gives a shit? Um, let's move on to some ketchup items. Let's start with you, Harry. I know that you've oh, been uh kind of binging a lot of movies. So give us the highlights yeah. of what you want to tell our listeners. Uh, yeah, for seen. sure. Well, uh, one of the rare instances of me following through on something, I'm still only watching new things, save uh, Avatar, which you can listen to on our other new episode. Things but, you've uh, never seen before, personally? Correct. Yeah. It's just something I've never seen in my life. Even if it's a movie I saw when I was a kid, that's still off the list. It's only new things. So, um, God almighty. I mean, I went, I've just bounced over the place from little woman to if Beale street could talk to your name, which is phenomenal to kind of mediocre stuff like Constantine and the Lincoln lawyer, uh, <laughs> a weird, how dare you hold the phone. How dare you? <laughs> it's fine. It, listen, I, that was when I was like at my sickest and just burning through the Lincoln lawyer. I'm like, yeah, this is about right. My, my like, dad made me watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a real dad movie. Yeah, uh, a really weird disappointment was uh, footloose. That movie blows ass. I really did not. Like it's got a very weird energy and it's not super likable. And I didn't, it kind of just bugged me. Uh, not, I kinda not like, the I, remake, the, oh, the original one with, yeah, Kevin the OG Bacon. with Kevin Bacon. I, I don't know if that's an unpopular that opinion, is, but I wasn't really into wildly it. like unpopular. I've yeah. never heard people just say footloose sucks. I mean, I have, 
Okay. All right. It's aggressively mediocre to the point that like, I'm getting tired talking about it. Um, you know, there's some other, you know, there's some stuff that I had no idea existed. Like, uh, they came together, which apparently is a beloved yes. treasure beloved it was of the pod yeah. featured yeah. on our best of the decade, uh, podcast. That's crazy. So I think that movie's really, really, really good. I don't know if I love it as much as you guys for the sole reason that, um, I feel like the stuff it's making fun of is a bit more, obvious and kind of like spread through culture throughout the years like the things it's saying are are the kind of like the little jokes it's making sometimes are like things that like have been done before in different properties yeah. which which is to say i think it's so very good it's just i don't it, it, it doesn't really hold a candle to me uh to wet hot for me no, I still wet, think that's wet hot it's hard to yeah. objectively examine for me because wet hot like changed my brain yeah but <laughs> it's a perfect movie it also is wet hot has a lot more sincerity within it uh, mm -hmm. And it's also not as much of a genre parody because there aren't enough camp movies to make fun of. There are a million yeah. rom-coms. Another interesting thing about They Came Together, though, in addition to everything I've said, which is that like every problem I have with it comes down to the production process and how fucked it got. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. It was written in 2002. So that explains oh. why things might seem a little stale at points. They Came Together was? Yeah, they yeah. wrote it like shortly after Wet Hot wow. and then they just couldn't What's get it made. What's funny is that I've also been listening to the Nora, watching the Nora Ephron movies sporadically as part of the blank check thing. And they came together, just rips into so many oh, yeah. of those. It's, like, it's really, it's pretty bizarre. Uh, it's kind of like watching, uh, uh, walk the line after you've seen walk hard <laughs> where you're like, well, this movie just doesn't exist the anymore. This is died. just garbage. The wrong kid. I watched walk hard again, which is, I think phenomenal. Uh, a really a big surprise for me is uh, Risky Business, which is 1983 with Tom Cruise. And I don't know if any of you have seen it, but that is a... Yeah, I kind of have a... Yeah, so that scene's really well known where he's kind of like with just the shirt playing air guitar. But that's, that's a very bitter, emotionally kind of taxing movie. Uh, I did. I kind of like get allergic to 80s movies sometimes because it's so like glorifying kind of shallowness. Mm -hmm. And that is not Risky Business in any way. It, it, it kind of like blew me out of the water tom cruise especially um then i watch you know kind of boring shit like uh the firm and splice which are fine you know three-star movies uh, getting a big something i really <laughs> something i really did not boys. like is um swordfish which <laughs> is a 2001 hacker movie. so this is this is I when can't... i start questioning your decisions Harry. <laughs> this is no, when my <laughs> <laughs> my literal thought process was I can't move off this couch. Uh, John Travolta has hilarious hair and it is one of the most like offensively ugly, miserable, misogynistic movies I've ever seen. Uh, the one black character in the movie gets lynched and then shot, which Whoa. is super cool. It's Halle Berry, by the way, yeah. super cool. Um, you know, then I went around, uh, I, so then I went into two franchise kicks. I watched all the Mission Impossibles front to back, uh, which was a super interesting experience because those movies are so spread out. You can watch them adapt to the time periods they are in, yeah. where the first one's a very 90s kind of basic 90s thriller. The second is just like this John Woo jerk off sesh, sesh which is kind of fun in and of itself. Uh, we've talked about it in the chat. Uh, three Mission Impossible 3 is easily the worst in that franchise, which I was kind of surprised by because I like JJ Abrams. I like Philip Seymour Hoffman, but it kind of felt like everyone doing their worst possible job where JJ Abrams direction is super bland and boring. And visually it's just this muddy, 
late mid late 2000s mess philip summer hoffman is great he's in the movie for 15 minutes he's not really a big part of that movie we all like to pretend like he is he's not he's not in that movie he isn't in the movie Um, a lot but his character has so much weight in the movie it's like uh like uh anthony hopkins silence of the lamb situation we're like sure he's not really in much of the movie but like one-to-one comparison you can feel his presence throughout the movie the, the difference is, is that when you watch Silence of the Lambs, when he's not on screen, it's still a really good movie. <laughs> and that's not what you get when you watch Mission Possible 3. You just kind of miss Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, it's also just this really, again, movies for the times. It's just this really bland, mediocre, kind of like 9-11, like national security-ish thing. Uh, fucking awful. Hunter, really um, I, Hunter's deeply upset. I, I, I know. hard disagree with you. Just when because, so when I was think- the last... Uh, Mission, when was the last time you've seen it? Uh, right before Fallout, so yeah, two years I, ago. I did a full, um, okay. a yeah. full rewatch right. before, leading up to Fallout. Yeah. I'm, I'm about to do another rewatch because uh, I am going to be a guest on another pod that is talking about Mission Impossible movies in the next couple weeks. Traitor. But um, Traitor. I, uh, so I, I disagree with you. It is, it's my second least favorite of the Mission Impossible movies, only behind two. Because I think everything that you were saying your problems with three are, that's how I feel about two. John Woo is this incredibly talented filmmaker, but two is like kind of offensive at parts with the way that some of the (laughs) plot is being told. Yes, and the Tandy Newton character is just really, really poorly written. We should say the plot of Mission Impossible 2 Tom Cruise stops a virus from spreading around the world. He saves us from a pandemic. (laughs) You're right. Is two the best Mission Impossible movie? (laughs) Hunter, your points are valid. And this isn't really a fair criticism, but the difference for me is that like two just feels like this movie from another dimension where like it's so like out of time and place. Whereas three very much feels like a specific moment in American history that's also boring and bad. So I will also, and it's just less fun to watch. I will also you know? say, growing up as a child, Twenty Four was one of my favorite television shows. So yeah. I was going to, I was going to bring this up. <laughs> oh yeah. I, you know, terrorism's bad, guys. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but uh, it's it's um, it's kind of weird. I this isn't this isn't like, and I don't know, if, I don't like fully form this yet, but like the mu- the music in the Mission Impossible movies is so specific and kind of like exciting and fun, and I kind of feel like the movies that like fit with the music more are better. I don't know, like four and one, and you know. Rogue Nation and Fallout just had this like nice zippiness to it. And then like, I don't know why I was watching three and the music just felt wholly out of place for the movie they were trying to make. Um, I'm sorry, man. That movie's dog shit. Look, I, so I, I don't, I don't disagree. I'm yeah. not like offended by your opinion, but I also, I will love mission impossible. Every now. mission impossible yeah, movie. Th- that's no. kind of where I stand too. It's like, it's not, it's like, it's not high grade mission because the later ones are so much better than mm-hmm. three, but at least three has PSH and he knocks it out of the park and it has some of the best running like Tom Cruise <laughs> running in Shanghai. You didn't That's, even mention it. No, Tom, Cru- <laughs> Tom Cruise is running. Tom Cruise is running this. is a very important factor of and, the Mission Impossible franchise. And it's the only movie to show Ethan Hunt in a domestic husband mm-hmm. setting and it's bad nope and no, it's very I, bad I, mm. 
It's dude. That's the creepiest like Sears catalog like <laughs> I, romance. It genuinely feels like like a bunch of aliens trying to like fake emotion. So, and another well, that's thing, that's what Tom Cruise is. He is an yes, alien. You're right. Yes, you are. That is fair. So the thing is, is that also is that you know the the writing in that movie is like aggressively forced. And I know it's like early JJ, but there's so many lines in that movie is like a nerd trying to be clever and sound cool. And it just sounds wrong. Lawrence Fishburne gets most of the bad ones. Tom Cruise gets a few. Humpty Um, Dumpty sat on a wall. Yeah. I, that like made me, I just like, I like disassociate. I'm like, what are they, what, what is what are they trying to do by saying that? I mean, if that movie was playing on an airplane, I still, dude, who gives a fuck? Yeah. These these movies for babies. I I watched all of them, man. They do it way better. Five other times. Well, let's say four and a half. Uh, And then, you know, four, I think is the, best it's like just kind of like a perfect like action yeah, movie i love uh, how everything breaks all of the plans yes. get thrown out the window it's like yes they, they plan everything and then nothing works it's so yeah, smart it's it's and it just like it's the the music is great the action is just so creative and just kind of virtuosic i that's not the right word but like and then you know you got the last two you got rogue nation and fallout which are so expertly done they're just so well crafted they kind of lose they do they they but they just they lose a little bit of the fun not a lot like they just it's just like a sensibility thing where i prefer uh ghost protocol more but um, oh you think it's still fun like, to hang off of the side of a plane as a piss off you think it's yeah, you think it's I fun do. to almost <laughs> drown For Tom Cruise it is you think it's fun to jump out of a plane in it just, space for the ghost protocol is just a movie where it's like, what if we just create the most visually inventive and fun set pieces that we can do in movies? And then five and six are dealing more with like, you know, Tom Cruise's character and kind of trying to tie all this together, yeah. which it does really well. It's just, it's, 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 uh, it's intentions in that movie are not as fun as four. So that was mission impossible. Real, the other real one quick. Working, yeah. Yeah. Real yeah. quick. Couple of things about mission. Impossible. No, real quick. Drew's going to kill one, himself. One of the things that works about mission impossible three for me is that I think Tom Cruise is very bad uh, at having chemistry with female counterparts. I actually think that him and Michelle Monaghan have some kind of strange, weird alien chemistry. I like it. I believe yeah. it more than sure. 80% of Tom Cruise romances and movies. Number two, I was just going to say, uh, I actually think that one thing that you are talking about with Rogue Nation being your favorite, I think that Rogue Nation has my favorite use Ghost, of, Ghost, Prod- Ghost, Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol, Ghost Protocol has your, uh, has your favorite. Ghost Pro. I think Ghost Pro Ghost has Pro. my favorite use of tech in any of the Mission Impossible mm-hmm. movies. The whole thing where they're sneaking down the hallway and they have that screen yes, that they the put up trembling. and they project yes. like that's an empty space Aww. is absolutely genius. It's so good. Also, Simon no, Pegg rules. Yeah, I know I'm going long here. The last thing is uh, I've watched uh, every live action Superman movie, which includes Batman v Superman, uh, which has been interesting because I've never seen any HBO of them. HBO Max? Uh, besides, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, that's just a big blind spot for me. Uh, I think the some? first... Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the the best movie is Superman, the original. It's I think it might be a perfect movie. Is that with uh, Chris the way that, mm-hmm. That's yeah, correct. Yeah, he fucking yeah. rules. He was so good. He is. It kind of scares me how good he is in that movie. Uh, I think it's like a perfect, like, I know it sounds like kind of tripe, but like it is incredibly fun. It makes you feel good. It gets the idea of Superman down, which as I learned, as I kept watching them is very fucking hard to do. Yeah. Um, the second movie is also very good. Um, I don't like it as much because it's more just like fights and it kind of gets away from that fun spirit. Uh, the third movie 
is Superman with Richard Pryor, which is a crazy thing, but it's actually like a lot of fun. It's just like a good, like kind of like a goofball comedy, which is not what I expected. Um, Superman four is, I have nothing to say about it. Um, Superman returns this 2006 movie with Brandon Routh, uh, made me actually angry. It's so goddamn bad. I used to own it on DVD. Uh, yeah no it's two, okay it's two and a half hours of brandon routh who looks like he's like a fucking character on riverdale like <laughs> cosplaying as chris reeve with creepy ass blue contacts and it's just like this movie that's blowing the donner movies while doing nothing new and it also makes superman a goddamn creep because his, uh, lois has had a kid and superman's just like fucking creeping on them being sad uh i hate it um man of steel is also bad but more interesting and um batman v superman is like a fever dream from hell it is, um, dude. It's yeah, so bad. Yeah, and there's like 30 other movies I haven't talked about, but uh, I just want La La Land and Your Name, I think are both kind of transcendent in how good they are. And um, everyone should watch those movies. Boom. That's beautiful. Me. Thank you, guys. Thank you for letting follow, me talk, Senators. Follow Harry on Letterboxd. Um, he joined yes. the, the Letterboxd world that we love. <laughs> so follow him I am on now. There. A goddamn film nerd in every way. All right, <laughs> rather than most ways. So I'm gonna I'm gonna run through my stuff uh, pretty quick. I have a couple items here for catch up. First of all, Search Party on HBO Max, guys. I already talked about it. Yeah. Why? So how far are you now? Are you done? I finished it. Nice. I finished it because what um what they did is they ported over all of the episodes from TBS, um, seasons one and two, and then season three was an HBO Max original show. And if if uh, th- there's no signs that there, it's going to be canceled. So if people watch it and, and, and they like it, by all accounts, season four is going to get made, you know, pandemic permitting and all of that. Can I tell you something? Yeah. Because uh, I told you I watched like a good amount of season one. Uh, in a recent, I think it was Vulture who ran a, a very good, it. very good profile on Aaliyah Shawkat and it was spoiled for me and I was deeply upset. Dude, deeply. That's Do not rough. read the profile. It's very good. Don't read it. The twist at the end of season one is one of the best twists in television I have ever seen. It's so good. It recontextualizes everything that you've invested into these characters and it thrusts them in a completely new direction. And all of season two and all of three are just, they bank off of what that twist does. And now after, after seeing the whole thing, I devoured it. Like I sat down and just could not stop watching it. It's not like high art, but it doesn't try to be. And it plays in this space of like stylized, like heightenedness, but also like true darkness. And I cannot recommend this show enough. There's, there's nothing like it. I, when I first brought it up, I talked about the importance of having this show. That's not trash, but that's also not like prestige, <laughs> like high art shit. And it's right yeah. in the middle and it feels so good. I can't think of another show that scratches that same itch for me. It's it's amazing. I I highly I've, highly recommend it. Search Party I've HBO only, Max. I've only heard good things about this show, and I need to finally watch it. Please do. Like, I, you will not yeah. regret it. It's it's so maybe, good. Uh, maybe I'll circle back next. Doctor Sleep, also HBO Max. Watch the director's cut. Three 
fucking hours. <laughs> I'm going to do it too. Um, if you know what you're getting into and you know that it's not like a excellent movie and that you might have to break up those three hours, it's actually a pretty worthwhile experience. Ewan McGregor gives a good performance as Danny Torrance. It's a sequel to The Shining. It's also an adaptation of the Dr. Sleep book. I think, Harry, you were telling me on the on yeah. our chat that um, a lot of the Shining sequel stuff in the movie is actually not in the Dr. Sleep novel. That that's like that's an correct. original thought process of writer-director Mike Flanagan to try to make this movie sort of a legacy sequel to what Kubrick was doing in The Shining and, and why that kind of conflicted with Stephen King's yeah. vision. It's almost like a conversation between the two. Uh, I also think the movie's pretty good. It's more interesting than like accomplished. Uh, I think it's got a lot of great pieces that don't fully come together as you'd expect from like this odd mishmash of Kubrick and and uh, Stephen King's sensibilities. Yeah, uh, it's 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 yeah. a weird. It, exactly, it is a weird mishmash because you've got mm -hmm. the you've got the hardcore Stephen King stuff that that um, Kubrick kind of abandoned when he did The Shining, but then you've yeah. got all of the Kubrick stuff from The Shining that sort of makes a return in the movie, and then you've got Mike Flanagan kind of putting his whole spin on it and trying to be a really inventive director the whole time so it doesn't always line up perfectly but there's a there's an, uh, enough in it to make it interesting and i i did enjoy it i did think that what they do with the danny torrance character as an adult was the most interesting part of the movie making yeah. them go through like this really traumatic arc filled with like alcoholism and literal like ghosts from seeing <laughs> your fucking dad try to axe murder your mom in it's this great. haunted hotel like that has are we, repercussions are, are we doing spoilers for, for the movie i don't want to spoil it we? for people i just want to okay. say that if you're mildly interested Check it yeah. out. It's it's the, the director's cut. I didn't see the theatrical cut, so I don't know if that's worse or better. No clue. I just dove straight into the, the director's cut because that's what I heard that people uh, recommended online. Yeah. Um, and I liked well, it. You know, it's not like a triumph, but I, 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 I didn't regret watching it. I think overall it is pretty good. And I think that ultimately um, it is one of the better Stephen King adaptations that we've gotten lately, you know, with it it's, chapter two and pet cemetery, like that shit was so bad. Like that. Well, the thing is like, if you're mildly interested in Stephen King or the movie, the shining, which I assume most people are like, it's definitely worth watching it. it it's more interesting than a lot of movies ever get close to, even if it doesn't pull off what it's trying to do entirely. Like it, it's, it's really fun to think and talk about. It's, exactly. a, it's a cool movie. Yes. It, that, yeah. That's, you're right. It it does enough to make you like have a conversation about it because there's a lot going yeah. on. It's not just Danny Torrance. There's like two other character, like important characters in the story that play a key role. And and it's it, it does some interesting things. So that's and there's a cool there's a cool cameo from an actor who will remain nameless yeah. who gets waxed. Yes. <laughs> that's so all I'll say about that. That's Dr. Sleep. Uh, two quick Netflix specials that I caught. Um, the new Hannah Gatsby special called Douglas and the new Eric Andre special called Legalize Everything. 
Um, Slightly different specials. Yeah, I'm just bundling them both because I'm kind of disappointed by both of them a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think that the the Eric Andre one is a slightly more disappointing because I just love the Eric Andre show so much. Um, The Hannah Gatsby one, I think that, you know, she's not trying to replicate the success of Nanette. And she's just trying to do a more sort of traditional uh, comedy hour. Uh, stand-up hour and then that you know she managed to do this sort of like really heartfelt dramatic piece that touched on like her traumatic experiences coming out as a as a lesbian woman and that's what sort of gravitated people towards it but with this new one she acknowledges that and she talks about how like that's not really who she is you know that's what got her famous but it's not all she can do she can do just straight up comedy so it's not as good but there's still a lot to like in it there she she does kind of talk about how she is autistic and a lot of the material that uh revolves around like autism and like there's a whole section that talks about like that where she basically rags on like the anti-vax crowd that think that vaccinations cause autism Mm -hmm. and her doing that material after like saying that she is autistic it she just manages to kind of encapsulate that so well that i think that it is worth watching because of that because she's able to kind of get that point across and still have a really funny um comedy hour here uh just don't expect it to be as good as nanette and then eric andre i i don't know if you like the Eric Andre show, I don't know if you like this stand up hour. I don't think it's a guarantee. I've seen this, too, and I like it more than you do, though, because, well, g- here's what I think. I think that you'll like this stand up if you don't if you're not familiar with the Eric Andre show. <laughs> mm-hmm. If this is your introduction to Eric Andre, you'll be like, whoa, this guy's fucking crazy. He's so <laughs> wacky. Oh, my God. But. Because I'm such a fan of the Eric Andre show and I know what he's capable of when he just take things so fucking far with what he does in that show. It just doesn't work as well in this stand up special. It just didn't click for me. Well, it's it's hard to transition from knowing a show that has such an emphasis on uh, production and editing and the situations that they put real people into that don't know what they're getting into it's it's like i would say i'm not disappointed because i first of all i've seen a significant amount of eric andre's stand-up and this is better than all of that he did put time into writing jokes uh more than i thought he would here uh but also to take away 90 percent of what makes your show great uh, it's not going to be as good as your show probably right. unless you are able to effectively add back all of that value with just yourself at your own disposal the to me the best part of the whole special is the very beginning because it's like on, the eric andre show exactly yeah. he's on the streets of new orleans and he's dressed as a cop and he's holding <laughs> a bong and he's hitting the bong <laughs> and like handing it to random people on bourbon street in new orleans and it's like this is exactly what I want from Eric Andre. And then he's on stage and everybody there has paid to see him. So they're not 
they're not going to be fooled like how people are on his show. So you're, that's already out the window. And it just, you know, it just lost a lot of its charm for me. Um, but that's Hannah Gatsby and Eric Andre's new specials on Netflix. Um, last thing I want to talk about is The Last of Us Part Two, which I have finished. And yeah. I want to know how spoilery you guys are okay with. Oh, I'm not going to play this game. Don't, don't go spoiler for me. I'm waiting for the PS5. I don't have a PS4. Okay. Do I'm going to go a little bit spoilery. And I'm going to say that I'm not going to give away anything big. But I'm going to say that the big point, one of the big point of contentions, because obviously you have the fucking like man babies online that are like, oh, no fucking a lesbian main character in my video game blah 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 brush that aside some of the valid criticisms about why people aren't liking this game are that it 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 forces you to shift the character that you're playing as so you are forced to play as a different character for basically like a huge chunk of the game and who that character is has a huge impact on the story. And I understand people's concerns. And I totally, totally get why people are coming out raging against this game because of the implication of the <laughs> character that you are having to play as. But I loved it. I loved it whole wholeheartedly because... I haven't seen a video game do what this video game makes you do. The way this story contextualizes the impact of violence and revenge and how these characters are just consumed by violence in their lives and like how you feel when you play as them and how you don't want to do certain things because you don't want to follow them along this path is incredible absolutely incredible i've never seen a video game do the things that this game does it is boundary pushing and i want even though look i understand the value and plugging into fortnite and turning your brain off and not thinking about the lives that you're destroying when you're shooting guys in fortnite <laughs> fortnite is just your you're just crux that you just keep going to whenever you talk about people that shit on the last of us you just go right to fortnite what about people who just want to play like spider-man ps4 and they just want to like zip around new york city and just like have a nice but you're not like, murdering nice people fun brightly colored time but and you're not mur you're not murdering people but i think that a lot of people's thing with the last of us because i so i didn't really have interest in this game until seeing how drastically opposed the opinions were online where you had everybody there are people saying, that hate it everybody from people saying that this is one of the greatest games of all time to people saying that this game is atrocious the story is a mess it's ugly like it's an ugly looking game no and it's no it's no, no the graphics no. are like some no, of the best i, I mean seen. just as far as it being very muted it's a dark world. They want to. They no, but that's sell that's what the, I'm talking. Again, I have not played this game. I'm just talking about what the online criticism no, there, is. There the Reddit are, boys that are out there. There are moments where it does get brighter because it is trying to get across a more brighter tone. But for the most part, like when you're in the bleakness of the apocalypse, it does get very dark. 
it's just a bummer story, but that's okay. Sometimes that's a lot. Exactly. Yeah. And it is, it is one of the most bummer stories I've ever seen. It is, it <laughs> yeah. is relentless. And I do think that I, I, I definitely understand why people see that as a fault when they go into a video game to try to have fun. And this is such a punishing experience at a certain mm-hmm. point. And you are just forced to be in this space where you feel the 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 dourness that these characters feel. And sometimes you don't want to play a video game to feel those things, especially now with everything going on in the world. Like, I understand that. And I I I, yeah. I think that a lot of those complaints are valid because there are points in this game where. I had to put the fucking controller down because it was just too, it was too much. But I, I just want to acknowledge and appreciate the fact that the creators of this game took the swings that they took to give us mm-hmm. something that we just don't get in the medium. Something I'm curious to ask you, because I haven't played it yet, though I plan to, is just um, the kind of complaints I've seen from friends and online is just uh, more so rather than the tone and like the thematics, uh, the th- the thematic through lines trying to get across is just the the length of the thing that it's like 30 hours and eventually it becomes more monotonous exactly. than saying things so i don't know if that's good or not but i i agree with you that it's good that they're trying to push the the medium and art form in this well, way well so i'm i'm looking forward to it so so this will be Quiet. my this will be my final thought and i'm going to try to you know maneuver without spoiling anything but basically what what you're saying ties into Mm -hmm. the other character that you have to play as. And when you have to play as that character, you don't want to play as that character. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know who you're talking about. You are forced to play as that character. And that's Mm -hmm. when the length really starts to feel when you're thinking, Mm -hmm. "Uh, I want to get back to Ellie. I, I feel for Ellie. I'm attached to Ellie. That's who I'm invested in. Why am I playing as this other person? But this game is forcing you to empathize. That's what I think is so genius about it. That it's like, we know that you don't want to play as this person, but we are going to force you to empathize with this story. And we are going to make you feel the opposite thing that you want to feel. And at first you don't want to. You're very, like, you're very combative against it. But... If you push through it and you give yourself to what the creators of the game want, which is not easy, <laughs> I think it is masterful. So that's sweet. I'm looking. That's The Last of Us Part Two. I loved it, but I understand why people don't. Um, <laughs> it already sounds less tedious than uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. You don't like fishing. I you like going out and fishing? I don't like it taking me 30 minutes on my horse to get on the other side of the map yeah. for an objective. That's what no, I don't I like. like. At the end of the day, I'm playing a video game. I'm not playing something yeah. to just like, all right, let me just go ahead and get on my horse and look at my phone for the next 20 yep. minutes and wait for me. To That's what I did. <laughs> I uh I, I love the first Red Dead Redemption, but I learned it had like a hunger meter. I was just like, nope, I'm out. Like I'm not, I'm sorry. I just Same. I don't that that I get that approach, but I don't feel like it makes it more immersive the way they want it to. I just don't feel it yeah. the way they want me to. All right, but, Drew. You know, hey, other people do. Let's get to your ketchup. 
I got some music uh, hits. I'll go quick on them. Uh, this is not a new release by any means, but the band Parcels, Ernest in particular. Have you heard of this band? I have not. You, what you're going to need to do is listen to this band, Ernest. Um, they are an Australian uh, sort of like disco type band. Uh, like my, this is current music. So though. Tame Impala esque. Is no, I'm no, I'm saying very much random access memories. That's what you're getting Ooh, out of this band. Okay, okay. A lot of random access memories. Uh, you would almost be tempted to accuse them of uh, <laughs> aping that sound. However, you would <laughs> be probably uh, it would be more fruitful to accuse Daft Punk of aping that sound from disco, a genre that was popular in the 70s <laughs> mm-hmm. and pioneered by black people. So maybe go go back a little farther if you're going to do plagiarism stuff. Uh, this band fucking rules. They're Australian, but they are based out of Berlin. And so all of their influence is extremely European, a lot of European disco. Uh, and that, you know, that is another reason that it sounds so much like Daft Punk, because Daft Punk is the same uh, cut from the same cloth. They uh, also have worked with Daft Punk on what is their most played song on Spotify. It's called Overnight. Uh, they are dancey when when they go up tempo and when they go down tempo, they are like just downright fucking funky. You want to you want to fuck when you hear this mm. yeah. uh, you, you want to <laughs> jack <laughs> no uh, <laughs> when you're alone yeah no they they just they rock really hard they're uh i think the only because it's so immaculately produced and composed that the only critiques you could have of their music uh are the critiques of disco itself in that uh it is a limiting genre because it requires one single beat to be in essentially every song the same goes for reggae uh, and, and dance hall. The same goes for a lot of different genres. Uh, so yes, it is repetitive by design. That's what disco is. It is music to be <laughs> repetitive. That's the entire point. Uh, I'm a big fan of them. It's, it's produced so confidently that it's almost shocking how, uh, relatively new they are to the scene. Uh, but they produce a lot of their own music. They have an un their aesthetic is so like, it is fine tooth comb shit. Like it is so they, they are like, they came out of the womb, like ready, basically like their, their look <laughs> is there. Their branding is there. Uh, their plays on Spotify may betray their actual popularity because they have high play counts for several, especially their, their three biggest hits, which I'll rule. Um, but it's mostly European plays because mm-hmm. they are based out of Berlin. They are huge in Europe, not so much in America. Uh, which is why, like, that's why I figured you hadn't heard them, uh, Ernest, because like no. me and Hunter hadn't either. Uh, my friend who's uh, extremely plugged into like strange music scenes uh, sent them to me. He was like, this is like the best shit I've heard in years. And I it's it's truly for what it is. It's about as good as it gets. So big recommend on them. Nice. Uh, won't get into the specifics of releases. Again. I haven't heard anything of theirs that I've disliked. It's all disco. It's all going to sound relatively similar, but they're very good. Uh you talked a while back about Charlie XCX's new album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how I'm feeling now. Yeah, how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> uh, this, to me, uh, rules as well. I am a fan of hers, but like any pop star, she had to start like just like Lady Gaga, just like Lady Gaga in A Star Is Born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Both <laughs> character and actual pop star, she had to start with some really uh, basic pop music. Boom, clap. I uh, detest that song, and that is easily her most popular song. But since then, she has been slowly claiming more autonomy to her music. And this is sort of like the peak, peak Charlie XCX autonomy. She truly made this album. It is her own vision. Uh, In quarantine. It is 
abrasive pop music, which is exactly what I want out of my pop music. It is not, it does uh, not, uh, it's not easily digested, I guess. I was conceived to boom clap. So <laughs> I don't know why you're talking shit about that song, Drew. That hurts my feelings. Happy third birthday, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I know it's been, a, it's been a long road, but I'm glad to be here. Yeah, Ernest, <laughs> you brought up this album a few weeks ago, like a month or two ago at this point. Um, and I've been listening to this album like it's almost so nonstop. Good. It's one of my favorite albums of the year. Claws, I would um, say is in my top three songs to come out this year. It is everything that I want from a pop song. It is also produced, uh, which I, I looked up who produced it because I had a Feeling, and it's produced by Dylan Brady of 100 Gex, mm. the mastermind of the most insane production you have ever heard in your life that you will hate for at least, I'd say, 30 listens. But the 31st <laughs> listen of 100 Gex. You're like, is this genius? Is well, this the I, future of pop music? I wouldn't say every song. Like, there's a couple of songs that I think you will like on the second listen. I, in my experience of showing people this band, that is not true. Uh, for me, it was... I may have even said this on pod before, but there are certain shows or movies or, or albums where you you watch an episode or you listen to it and you're like, I don't like this now, but something is here. Right. And then you're like, yeah, no, this sucks. And then the next day you find yourself putting it on again and you're like, why am I putting this on? I hated it yesterday. I, I think stupid horse like yeah. you can you can vibe to that without having to listen to it 30 times um for me yeah it was money machine stupid horse and uh hand crushed by a mallet uh all off of their debut album 1000 gex uh g-e-c-s which is uh, available on spotify but dylan brady has been uh you know he is a hot commodity in the production world right now he has done a song with injury reserve he has worked with charlie xcx and they 100 gex recently released their remix album I think very, very recent. Wasn't it like last week? It was. Yeah, it was just about this week. It is called 1000 Gex in the Tree of Clues. <laughs> that sounds fake. <laughs> I know. That sounds well, like a magic every, tree. Everything book. about them sounds fake. You're going to put them on after this and be yeah. like, oh, this is bad. I hate this. What is wrong with Drew? I don't care. I'm right. This, I respect that. There's something about it. Like once you crack through the shell, it's it's. I guess the biggest component is you have to get past being orally assaulted by really high frequency vocals. Yeah. That's what it was for me. It took a while. And then once you realize, oh, this is just an octave up and it's heavily auto-tuned. But it, not just the vocals, just the production it includes like some of the weirdest sounds yeah. you've heard in most music. Yeah, it's 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 like poppy death grips. It's it's so, yeah. so intentionally abrasive and yet it's expertly crafted. And I love it. And a thousand gex in the tree of clues, uh, like the song ringtones remix, which was the first release off of this features Charlie XCX. It features Kiro Kiro Benito. It features Rico nasty. That's so blind, mind blowing to me. It rips hard as fuck. Uh, and then of course I know Hunter's looking at me because fallout boy is on a song. <laughs> yeah. Fallout, fallout boy. boy is on a fucking song on this remix album. It's so the song you mentioned it before, one, I, I am also a stand for 100 Gex, and I will say that most of our listeners, uh, Brian, you might put this on and you might think like, oh, I hate this. This sucks. And guess um, what? You're right. Bad. It does suck. It but does. And it's also the best thing in the world. I think so. The thing about 100 Gex, it Love reminds that. me of Ernest, whenever you first talked about the Charlie XCX record, about how you listen to it and you were just like, this sounds like the best song of 2030, mm -hmm. but it like my ears aren't adapted yeah. for it. That's kind of what 100, 100 Gex, Gex is. is the worst song of 2030. <laughs> well, no, and it's also my favorite song. Because <laughs> the thing is, is that it is 
taking pop in this new direction where it's saying, what if we mixed in all these heavy, heavy electronic and distortion elements yeah. and make it very industrialized pop and, music. Yeah. And intentionally like hard to access, but at the same time, so poppy, uh, a mm. lot of influence from pop punk in particular, mm -hmm. there's even ska, for example, Stupid wow. Horse Stupid has Horse like heavy ska. ska chords going on. Uh, but Hand Crushed yeah. by a Mallet is even on the first, um, on the original 1000 Gex album, that is already like, if you strip it down, that is a pop punk song. And that is definitely my highlight from 1000 Gex and the Tree of Clues is Patrick Stump singing the main chorus for Hand Crushed by a Mallet. And then you have Craig Owens and... Um, Nicole, uh, oh, I'm blanking our name. Um, it's Nicole. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, like just having them on there and they just ends with this full classic pop punk breakdown. Yeah. Which it's, is, uh, the best work Fall Out Boy has done in about a decade. In my opinion, I, you know, I, dang. I am not one to defend certain new Fall Out Boy. I hate all of it. Unfortunately, Hunter, uh, Nicole <laughs> Dollinger is her name. There um, you go. Uh, it's just this remix album is not this isn't going to be the thing that wins anyone over you have to start with the originals because this is uh bigger if that's even possible this is harder to listen to a lot of the time uh because they're integrating voices that love 100 gex and want to contribute to what they're doing like poppy voices like charlie xcx or like kira Kirbinito, but they love 100 gex because it's not doing what they're doing so they want to do that instead that said the ringtone remix is essentially a pop song so you can listen to that either way uh, you're going to hate it. You're going to love it. Uh, <laughs> ah, sold me. Um, Harry, let's talk about Hamilton. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I watched let's Hamilton talk about yesterday. How, how does a podcast... Uh, yeah, you can uh, You can have that one. Something, <laughs> song of a pop culture podcast. Sometimes I so wish I had, first. I had the mixer so I could just turn you guys down. <laughs> uh, so I don't know about you, Drew, but this is, uh, I, it wasn't out of, you know, malice or disinterest. I just never knew a single thing about Hamilton ever. I just don't know what the fuck it is. I know it's about Hamilton. He's going to call a shot and he's not going to throw away his shot. I definitely know that. And, <laughs> and uh, I just knew it came to Disney Plus. And I was like, you know what? I want to watch something fun. And I don't get it. What about you? <laughs> I think I think I, I'd like to think that I get it. Um, that said, I, I was fairly sure going in, this wasn't going to, for, to be for me. And I, that's what I found. However, there is an unbelievable amount of craft and talent in this musical. It just it reminds me of a lot of pieces of media that I, I you know, respect, but don't like personally. Uh, this is not a good example, but the first thing that comes to mind is the movie Contagion, which is full of so much fucking talent, <laughs> unbelievable director, crazy cast. And yet the end product is not getting me going. Uh, I don't for a long time watching it. I, I almost went through the seven stages of grief because I truly thought there was so something wrong. wrong with me because it's so I, was more, I was more than able to acknowledge the unreal amount of talent going on. And yet the framework that they are operating under is really underwhelming to me. It is, it's, it is epic yeah. laps about history that has and, a hard roof in my brain. The, and you know, I loved seeing David Diggs. I did not realize he was in this. I thought he was fucking excellent as Jefferson. I, I had some fun 
it it was nice at times. Yeah, absolutely. I just agree. Jonathan Groff was uh, very funny. The, his yeah, his I, scenes I, I were a, kind of the only comedy in the whole thing that actually that got me. Incredible. The rest of the so comedy I, I thought kinda, was very underwhelming. I just I we talked about it in the chat a bit is just I don't you know, cause I'm not looking at this as something that was happening in the moment that grew into a sensation. I'm looking at this as a product that like was just mammoth and behemoth in our culture. And I am looking at it and I just, I do not understand why we all glommed onto this so hard because it's fucking epic <laughs> rap battles <laughs> of history. It's just on a fundamental level lame. And I, that's different than corny. I want to make that clear. Mm. I am not saying musicals in general are not fun or like interesting. I like musicals a lot. It's just, it really felt like something your substitute teacher puts on to get you to care. It, it has the energy of the teacher like turning the chair around and sitting at in it and being like, hey, I'm the cool teacher today. Um, it, it does. I, I yeah, want to, yeah. I would love to give shout outs. The whole cast does a really good job at what they're uh, tasked with doing. In particular though, the one person who I was always on board with and who stole every scene. I don't know if this is the same person that you guys said stole the show because I was Aaron Burr. fully not listening. It is Leslie Odom. Yeah, yeah. Leslie Odom yeah, Jr. Yeah, is a star. Sort of like he is a star. Uh, one of the best voices happened, I've ever heard in my happened. life. Like that is yeah. not an exaggeration. Live, he sounds recorded. He <laughs> he is a freak of nature singing and rapping and speaking. He has one of the coolest no, yeah. voices of all time. You, you, you already said my feelings, which is that like, it really just is this freakish amount of talent and it's executed very well, but it's all for this final product that is just kind of lame. And I know that's not fun. And I know that I'm a horrible, heartless man. And Ernest is looking at me like I insulted his mother. Well, here's the thing. You're also not heartless because the politics of Hamilton are insidious and disgusting. If, Let's if do you it. think about it for more than 10 seconds, because you, you want to be uplifted and think, you know what? This is about the American dream. The American dream was not true in 1776, and it sure isn't true now. This is convincing yeah. people that they should still buy into that when they should not. And they never, ever <laughs> should have. That's the that thing. Is, is that it's like truly dark to think about for more than a minute of your life? It just so feels. What, do you think it, that it would have yeah. been a more enjoyable musical if they're like, "Hey, black people, you guys are fucked." In like three hundred years from now, you'll still be kind of fucked. No, but I, I don't think they should be lying, and they are. No, they're it's, actively it's lying just, to their it's audience. It's bending the truth. There's their difference. audience was politics. rich people. Yeah, and that's great that you're defending it. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm still feels, with <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it feels like a politically misguided thing that was shown to a bunch of super rich people in 2016 that could buy tickets. And it just, after it just, it feel it sounds kind of cliche, but after living in Trump's America for four years, going back to this kind of like level of na naivete just feels it's really brutal, man. Trite. It, well, that, yeah. yeah it I just, think that's the biggest thing is like, first of all, when you're watching it on a screen through Disney plus, you're already losing a ton of the, yeah, of the, for appeal. sure. And second totally. of all, yeah. seeing it with fucking being bludgeoned by four years of President Orange moron and a fucking global pandemic, of course, you're not going to be in the same headspace of where it was intended to be when it it, it premiered. Yeah, like the, like the window yeah. has shifted. Like yeah. whatever like people I don't want to sound so go ahead. I don't want to sound like an asshole, but I feel like I'm too old for this now. <laughs> like I've we've seen too much as people. Like it's just it, it feels like something a bunch of I'm with her liberals say they love 
to pat themselves on the back. So I, and we had a time for that five, four years ago. I, I understand the issues whenever you're trying to look at this, uh, from a huge, like a 10,000 feet above four year later political landscape, because I can't argue against this. You are entirely right that this was made in a different era. And it's kind of strange that it was released now given everything. But I also don't think one piece of pop culture, um, is ever going to make a difference in shifting people's opinions on things or shifting people's views on the world. Nor do I think that a single piece of pop culture ever should, I think that this is just a musical that's really fucking good. I think that the music in here is really fucking good. I think that the performances are really fucking good. So I think that like, I I understand like if you are not a musical guy, Hamilton is not going to make you a musical person, nothing in here. And I think that it was framed a little bit that way that it's like, look people who don't like musicals this one has hippity hoppity for you guys like this is something that you'll like and that's wrong because at the end of the day it still has the same musical cliches yeah it's same musical rhythms that all musicals do have but i think that i as a person who loves theater and really loves it's musicals some of the best of the best it's so i'm still yeah. listening to the soundtrack like it's all the time so because well the music done. is that, so good so that's where i also I actually, have to strongly disagree i think that the music yeah. is really underbaked with the exception of the lyricism i think a lot of time was putting like words and then the music itself is borderline nothing it's well, really bad music I, so are you familiar with Let's any like go. sondheim stuff like any like classical musical stuff like that because i think that as much as people want to talk about the hip hop elements, stuff from like classic Sondheim stuff is just as easily taken and like put into this thing. Like whenever you think about a song like uh, Must Be Nice, like there's sure there's like David Diggs rapping very fast and like parts like that that are really good. But the whole way that narrative is told just in lyricism yeah. and the music itself is more to just make a beat for people to kind of express themselves and express the story. It's classic music. And you classic can't judge Sondheim. it. You can't you can't listen to a Broadway song and listen to that the same way that you would listen to it like a regular produced album yeah you have to yeah you have to keep in mind that it is within the framework of something else the same goes for film scores for example and i think that uh if this were a film score it would also be awful i think this music is undercooked music period i it particularly generally i do not like when an orchestra there's an orchestral arrangement with a drum kit as the percussion i think that almost always flops it's why early 2000s movie soundtracks are generally really dated and bad because there is a kit playing in addition to it like it is so uh there's a clash in my brain that i cannot reconcile so i one other thing because you guys are shitting on the music and i think this was uh, the ringers juliet Littman brought this up but i think that the three song run of helpless to satisfied which is like almost like a modern day destiny's child song like that song just fucking slaps from that into wait for it that three song run Mm -hmm. is just like if you took that three song run and you put it on an album, I would be like, all right, I'm going to keep listening to this album because I think that all three of those songs can stand independently of the musical itself. Yeah. Just the vocal got- talent alone. Well, that, yeah, that's what's happening for me is a yeah. lot of incredible vocal performance. And it is impressive, like operas in general, because that's what this is. It's an opera. There is no uh, spoken word in this. So yeah. it is very impressive to juggle all of those balls at the same time. <laughs> Uh, to carry forward a plot within the framework of music 
I think there was like more than halfway through, there was a, a line that was spoken by David Diggs, I think is Jefferson at that point in the musical. Mm-hmm. Correct. And correct. I literally like, I, I sighed, I, I gave like a giant sigh of relief. Cause I was like, fucking finally we can drop this and just like feel <laughs> like it's, it's so to me, it's very concerned with being impressive. I guess, but but it's, Broadway does that. Yeah, and Broadway uh, doesn't. And Broadway is not, the uh, medium of, of the rich, and you guys are defending billionaires. So you're an uncultured really, swine, is what we're learning from two I, two I, from I, one half of this podcast today. I'm sorry, but like just yeah. If you the, don't like Hamilton, you're uncultured. <laughs> Hamilton is what you don't like musicals. <laughs> you said you don't like theater. Uh, no, I, I like. I've seen incredible theater. I've seen unbelievable I just, theater. I just said I don't like music because the music is. Worse I don't know than if this is fair. Usually, but I'm just picturing a bunch of rich as shit liberals in 2016 saying oh it's so refreshing it's history told through hip-hop with people of color you have to see it and it makes me want to cringe myself yeah, into a hole and listen, die it just it, it's it's just not it's cool gross. Man. and the the notion uh, because lin-manuel i will say it's it's this has been covered it's not a hot take he can't sing and that's fine because he did he did yeah. create this entire thing and it's a giant undertaking and he did all of it technically it's very well so impressive it's a huge undertaking congrats to him and his billionaire dad however <laughs> to, to sell the notion of an american dream and being able to come from nothing when you are could not be farther separated from that reality is stupid it's gross and stupid i don't care like there's i don't think that there's any counter argument to that it's disgusting I, yeah he is selling it, a dream that he himself has not experienced the, the ultimate feeling of that product is uh i think you had to be there in the room where it happened yeah yeah no <laughs> i i just i i it does not surprise me that that was huge in 2015, 2016, but uh, I've never seen something age so badly so fast. It really, uh, I don't think it ever gets away from the hippity hoppity, as Hunter said. Well, it just, Harry, yeah. it must be nice. It, it must, must be, be nice. nice. Oh, have yeah. Dribbles I don't, on your side. <laughs> I, I don't even think you guys are necessarily wrong because you guys no, are just really is, obsessed with the craft did a of good it. good job yeah. at making something that had a roof. It, yeah. And, you know, looking from it from my perspective is just something completely foreign to it until now. It just it looks like this oddity that we all like, of course, we were all obsessed with this before, like around like Hillary time. Of course, this was the yeah. thing we it's, all it's a, would say we were into to look cool. It's a like, lot no like shit. the politics of Parks and Rec when you rewatch. It's yeah. like, oh, my God, oh my God are you yeah. serious? Like this, she's <laughs> idol worshiping all these awful humans. <laughs> It is. And what's funny is, you know, I, I got introduced to Lynn Manuel through honestly Moana, which he wrote a lot for. And I'm like, wow, this guy has a really kind of fun cartoony vibe. And then I watched this. I'm like, yep, this is definitely a Disney guy. Like even <laughs> he wasn't even a Disney guy yet, but yes, this is clearly a Disney man. Yeah. Um, That's it. I don't know. Hamilton is now my comfort food. I've now had it on three times just while <laughs> working, just cause I just Dang. like to just have it on the background. Just like kind of peek you over. I'm just her. like, man, if Felipe I worked Sue, hard enough, now she's just singing like burn and stuff. And stop, yeah. bring, take out the 2020 <laughs> of it all and just look at this. Like the how it was gross. We can't, we can't do it any other way. It was still a lie back then. Look, I don't just yeah. now Would we you all have know. preferred it if it was the story? It was only white dudes. Uh, no, it's not that they're people of color. It's that the entire notion of the musical is false. So optimism it's, is yeah. dead in 2020. Uh, that kind well, optimism false, is based on a lie is dead. Optimism that yeah, is based false on any optimism. Truth can absolutely exist. Look, I'm an optimist. Okay, I'm an optimist, and I'm cultured. 
Okay. Uh, I watched so French New Wave films in the theater. <laughs> What is that fucking three-hour production trying to say? That America is great and that the American dream is real and all these people worked hard to create this perfect thing? No, I don't I don't feel like that's the fucking vibe that I I'm enjoying take, right now. You, I think you can take the America out of it and just look at it as a story. I'm not about I, no, you friendship. Whoa, 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 no, I, I man. <laughs> and, and loyalty and betrayal and ambition that, and, and, so and seeing it as these two people who have done horrible things to try to get ahead yes. in their lives. And one of them who feels like they didn't do enough okay. bad things to be looked at as the right side of history. And the other that. one who did so many bad things, you have Hamilton who is a womanizer and, mm -hmm. and, and just a shitty guy who gets looked at as the good guy. And then Aaron Burr, who all he mm -hmm. did was try to be a part of 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 the revolution and and this huge movement and was then looked at as the bad guy because he didn't agree yeah. with the with the wealthy guy so that's all there and that's all fair but the idea that you can ignore the america of this thing is so fucking bonkers that is so baked in and so like jerk offy and proud of itself that like it just it looks worse and worse as time but goes on. But I think that I don't Burn think it all down. I don't think I don't it know. I don't think it's like wholly optimistic about the American dream. Like after seeing this movie a couple times, it's kind of showing like the dark side of the American dream that can fucking Maybe. chew you up and spit you out. Yeah. Aaron Burr is a metaphor for like what the American dream to you can do to you if you are not the chosen son. Yeah. Like you will just think, be a cast yeah. off. You will be known as a villain or worse yet. You'll be not known at all. Like the whole, the last song will, uh, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Mm -hmm. Part of the thing of Love that song that, by the way. is like, <laughs> just most <laughs> of the time, damn. nobody will tell your story. Most of the time we are You'll all going, forgotten. we are all going to die. This podcast will die and it will just oh. be like frozen in ember and somebody, maybe they'll stumble upon it. 300 yeah, years man. from now but probably not and it's that's kind of what this store the central theme of the story is because the american dream you can't always trust the american dream you can just try to make a difference and i think that that's more important than like trying to live up to this like unattainable goal of being an american hero I don't think, I think that's there. I don't think it's half as incisive as you're making it out to be. It's not like trying to like undercut like a lot of the things you're saying that it is, but Drew, you were, you were going to say something. No, that's, that's essentially what I was going to say. The, what, what the argument that I think is being made is ignore the biggest part and focus on the smaller part. And that is not yeah. what you do when you watch something good. That's what you do when you're and trying to excuse something that's lacking. <laughs> And this is not an aggressively nuanced production. It's not like there are like these incredibly interesting dynamics. They're fairly interesting. Don't get me wrong, but a big part of this is like a loud musical about America. Yeah. They're going to teach you about the Battle of Yorktown <laughs> and the history of the, the spilling yeah, of the tea. The, the deeper and themes just, of this are really in the background most of the time. The Like I said, though, the technicalities, the technical side of things is very cool. The Lazy Susan stage of it all, extremely cool. It's cool. The rotating stage. Uh, at, you know, everyone in the background is doing their piece. Uh, that ending song, Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story, <sighs> to end the to end the entire musical by the wife being like, I'm a person too, by the way, the end. <laughs> that cracked me up so much. Like her at the I, very end, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, I did something too. I will, the end, it, the and absolute, the very final moment of this, uh, of this musical did make me cry multiple times on different <laughs> watches because it's, that's what the story is being told.
Yeah, and that's, that's and not just. It also becomes where now upon rewatches, this isn't just a story of Alexander Hamilton. This is about a story about Eliza. Yeah, that Look. nobody, absolutely nobody, talked about her, despite the fact that she did all these important things in our country's history. I, I'm such a mark for overly sappy, earnest stuff, but but this isn't it. <laughs> like it just doesn't work and at it, all. And, that, for and me. it is like so much of this is a matter of subjectivity. Like if it works for you, yeah. it works, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, Anthony Ramos is also in this. Anthony Ramos is, I think, I, if I could buy stock in, like, he'd probably be in my top 10 people. I want to see in. in the Heights so bad. He, he slays hard in the Heights. He's on, um, she's got to have it on Netflix. He plays Spike Lee's character. Yeah. And he's on a real he's, he's the friend in A Star is Born. Yeah. He is a killer actor. Yeah, he's, I, I want to, I want to leave our listeners with one last thought. In the song, the lyrics? 10 Dual Commandments. <laughs> Written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Thank you for pointing that out. In which our two characters walk away from each other to then shoot at each other. The notes on the piano also walk away from each other. Dang. There's, there's some incredible start music in the, theory they stuff. They start in, in the music. center and then move out to the opposite sides of the piano. All I have to say to that is uh, Moana is streaming on Disney Plus if you want to watch Look, some better Lin Manuel. There's, there's some great music theory stuff throughout. I mean, even down to like simple stuff, like in the song Wait For It, he comes in after the beat. Mm-hmm. Like he waited too yes. late and stuff oh. like that. Just simple music theory, so stuff good. like that. That just every time I hear it, I get chills. Yeah. I mean, I'm, the, I'm happy for you guys. And secretly, same. I'm not at all. It's okay. Go back uh, to listen to <laughs> your, your 10 no, million gecks. <laughs> there's no music theory I in, love, in real music. That's for sure. <laughs> It's only I love musicals where stuff. you can learn things such as having uh, music do what character do. <laughs> that is in like so much music. This is not impressive to me in the slightest. I have a rule on this podcast. I have a rule that like if I can think of something that it's probably not that like innovative <laughs> and that sounds like something I could think of. Well, that's just the <laughs> thing that you do in music. Like it's the same with like lyrics and music that's not musical related. You have it do what the lyrics are saying. Like I, I am glad you guys like it. I don't like being the negative person on the podcast. I'm here but, for you. Uh, yeah, I'm here for you. Man. Thank you, man. I'm glad that it wasn't and just also, me getting shredded I here. I probably <laughs> did like it more than it's coming across. I just think it's a deeply flawed thing that it's and, so and some of the flaws more than others are feel dark to me to think about, feel insidious, feel yeah. like they are prolonging the current political <laughs> landscape actively. They are. It's well, fake progressive. Is Harry, what I'm saying. It's not actually progressive yes. in any way. Harry. You'll yes. be back soon. Oh, You'll see. <laughs> you remember you Bro. belong to me. Is that a line? Is that a song from the show? Yeah, man, I've already I don't forgot. Know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Da, da, I don't know da, anything da, of that. Da, yeah, yeah. That's I like, okay. The V Diggs, Leslie Autumn Jr., and fucking uh, Jonathan Groff are excellent. Ramos, it's all technically impressive. Great. Hunter Every Ernest, actor is yeah, great. You're all right. You're not wrong. It's just you guys are ignoring a lot of shit in your fanboys. I'm not ignoring it. I'm just also pointing out other things that you guys didn't pick up on because oh you, i didn't pick up you, on aren't, you aren't as attuned to like find theatrical Utter. productions you guys yeah. are uncultured swines that's okay go back and watch your yeah. star wars and your marvel movies yeah go back to that's your us. go back to your superman watch through and watch bvs again that's that's fine. what this is to musicals this is literally that it's, it's marvel like it really the, is the only difference is that the tony's we have kowtow to whenever we have to. no we can't whenever the tony's get a big hit they just give it all the awards because they desperately need to be relevant 
This is if such this a good a episode. Movie, it would get nothing. <laughs> it doesn't deserve I, that much. It would get best yeah, song man. because it has some. You don't know great shit moments. about the Oscars because let me tell you, I'm watching through it and uh, things that try to make a very vague and plain statement about society today uh, win all the time. Cough, cough. All I want to say book. is, yeah. Um, so that hash, so you do understand what you're defending. <laughs> hashtag immigrants get musicals. the job done. We've done a hashtag immigrants get the we job do. done. That's enough activism for me for today. I'm going to go back to brunch mm-hmm. because I love Hamilton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm being such a dick. I'm sorry. <laughs> <All right. laughs> we we were going to have uh, Hunter talk about the vast of night, but I, think- I know we're going super long. I'll save it for next week. <laughs> Everybody go watch The Vast of Night. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Or if you are you have a drive-in theater near you, it's playing at drive-in theaters. It's one of the summer big summer hits because it's playing at drive-in theaters. Go check this movie out. It's excellent. That about does and it watch. for this week. Thank you, Harry. Uh, thank you, listeners. We will be back next week with a review of First Cow. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can donate on anchor.fm thank you brett and brian for your donations stay safe stay healthy wear a mask is there anything that you would like to plug harry uh yeah honestly you can find my work at the observer newspaper and now that i've uh, gone with the pack you can find my movie reviews on letterbox yes. they are weird and nonsensical and they make me happy the ob- harry j sayer harry j sayer yes has the observer reviewed hamilton yet I don't think so. I don't think we care enough. Well, <laughs> if you write that review, um, I would like Dude, to. I would like to plug it everywhere uh, so people guys, know the truth. Hey, do you guys I remember? Think you should, I think you guys remember when Mike Pence went to a showing of Hamilton, and the Hamilton cast stood up and yeah. said, "Mr. Vice President, <laughs> oh, Mr. Sir, fuck me, sir." And then all the people who secretly are donating to him started clapping. <laughs> Beautiful moment in history. I know a lot of people that are fond of this administration that love Hamilton. Oh. I'll tell you that now. All right. Well, with that. Uh, Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.